0: Welcome to the Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm St. John Flynn. And I'm Eric Skelly. And this week we're going to talk about The Tales of Hoffman. This is opera
1: by Jacques Offenbach. Eric. Absolutely, and it's, uh, it's a real favorite for me because it's so fantastic. It's All the fantasy elements just are really given full reign in this piece. Any really good production is going to uh, really give you something great to look at as well as to listen to, but Offenbach certainly gave us that. It's amazing melodies, one after the other. 1881, first performance,
0: so we're end of the 19th century, and the Hoffman of the title is actually a reference to the early 19th century German author E.T.A. Hoffman. Exactly. Known for his uh, Nutcracker. fantasy. Nutcracker. Yeah, the Nutcracker. The Nutcracker obviously. was written by him, yes. But also the, the stories that have this sort of fantastical element to them. And many of the stories are incorporated into aspects of the opera. Absolutely. Set this up for us, the tales of Hoffman. We start with Hoffman in a bar. In Nuremberg, I believe.
1: Yeah, at the time that we meet him in the prologue of this, he is a bitter, beaten, cynical guy. He's just life has just beaten him down, uh, and he's sort of taken refuge uh, in this uh, this beer cellar uh, adjacent to the opera house where um, his, his latest uh, love, Stella, the opera diva, is performing Don Giovanni. And he, he sort of retreated down there to lose himself and drink. <laughs> Basically, a bunch of students uh, gather around him to, uh, to sort of exhort him to tell them some of his fantastic tales. So he, he, uh, he agrees to do so and uh, tells the story of the three great loves of his life. And it's uh, through these three great loves, we sort of see the progression of Hoffman from this, this young poet uh, that he is in, at the, in the beginning of Act 1 to the cynical man that we see in the, uh, the epilogue and the prologue. There is another element here as well. That is the muse
0: who appears disguised here in the prologue. Yes. Tell us about the muse.
1: Well, she is his muse. She is specifically the muse that inspires him to write poetry, and she watches over him. And in the course of the opera, she takes the guise of his best friend Niklaus. So this is uh, this is what an opera we call a trouser roll. Uh, it's a mezzo-soprano who's playing a young man. He follows Hoffman throughout the opera and uh, watches over him and just sort of makes sure he doesn't uh, get an too much trouble although i don't know how successful he is ultimately <laughs>
0: <laughs> so we go from the prologue to act one right which
1: is talking about his first love and this is olympia Olymp- yes olympia or olympia if you're if in, in the french and she is uh Well, quite frankly, she's a mechanical doll. And Hoffman is literally looking through rose-colored glasses provided by one of the incarnations of his evil genius who also follows him throughout the opera and thwarts his loves at every turn. And so Hoffman sees this mechanical doll and thinks she's real. And he, being young and inclined to, you know, rashly fall in love, does so madly, not realizing that she's not real. And so, of course, in the end, it ends badly, and he's broken hearted, and you know, on to act two. Spallanzani yes, is the co-creator of this automaton, this this mechanical doll, yes, along with Coppelius. Coppelius is the evil genius. Right. Coppelius is uh, one of the bass roles, and oftentimes they're they're in fact most of the time they're played by the same bass. So, what happens to? Hoffman and Alampia. Well, oh,
0: Nicholas sees what's going on. He sees absolutely. that this is a robot.
1: She's not alive. He says she's not alive. But
0: Hoffman is reluctant to, to listen to him. He can't. He's, he's in the first he's throes of too love, who
1: enamored of her. He won't hear anything but what he wants to hear. And what happens is that Spalansani, one of the co-creators, paid Copelius. Copelius provided her eyes. Copelius is all about spectacles and eyes, and he provided the dolls eyes. And he also provides the glasses for, for Hoffman. For Hoffman, correct. So that
0: he won't see that she's an automaton.
1: Correct. And so uh, Spallanzani pays uh, Coppelius with a rubber check. <laughs> <laughs> and Coppelius goes to cash it, and it bounces, and he is furious and vows revenge, and so in the midst of this big unveiling of Olympia to this this uh, party full of uh, strange guests that Spallanzani uh, collects, Coppelius comes in and basically rips the doll apart in front of every, uh, Hoffman's horrified eyes, and that's when Hoffman finally realizes, oh my gosh, he's an automaton and uh everybody laughs at him as the curtain falls. We move on to act 2. Yes. Where are we in act 2? Uh we are in Munich and uh Hoffman has genuinely fallen in love with a young woman. She's a soprano. She's a she's a singer. Her name is Antonia. A and singer like her mother. Like her mother, very much like her mother who died under mysterious circumstances under the care of Dr. Miracle, Dr. Miracle. Antonia is afflicted with uh, consumption, the, uh, the opera disease, as mm-hmm. it were, and she has been ordered not to sing again. Because it may kill her. It may kill her. The, the stress and the strain of it is, which is, is just too much for her fragile lungs. And Hoffman, you know, is seeing her illicitly despite her father's objections. And Hoffman is even agreeing with her father and saying, no, you mustn't sing. You have to promise me you won't sing. And she reluctantly agrees. But she's very sad about that because it's her connection to her her deceased mother. And it's something she loves to do. So then enters Dr. Miracle, who uh, Antonio's father tries to bar from the house unsuccessfully. And he comes in and he performs this... Very, very strange examination of Antonia, who is not even in the room with him. He finally gets chased out of the house, and uh, Antonia, Antonia promises Hoffman, no, I promise you I won't sing, I won't sing. Then when left alone to her own devices, she's uh, suddenly, Dr. Miracle appears again. Dr. Miracle magically causes a portrait of her mother to come to life. And she hears the voice of her mother exhorting her to sing, sing like we used to in, in the olden days, sing. And Antonia starts, you know, singing and mounting higher and higher. And Dr. Miracle is just really kind of and this. It's an amazing trio. Oh, my gosh. It just really whips you into a frenzy. And a part for Antonia gets higher and higher and faster and faster. And you can actually hear her, you know, taking sharp intakes of breath in between her phrases. And it's actually written in that way until finally she just Falls. She just expires. And her father and Hoffman come rushing in and she dies in her father's arms. And uh, once again, Hoffman's love is thwarted by his evil nemeses. Well, in Act 3... We are transported to Venice. Yes.
0: And by this stage, as you said earlier, Hoffman is a little bit more jaded. Oh, a lot
1: more, actually. <laughs> he's, he's tired of love. In fact, he sings this big, rousing aria towards the beginning of the act, saying, I am through with love. I have had it. I've had it. But, but he meets Giulietta. he does. Giulietta is a courtesan. Ah. Giulietta is for hire. Uh, dappertuto is the name of the evil nemesis in that shows act. up in this mm-hmm. act. And he has Julietta in thrall because he can provide the jewelry and the dollars and the money that she wants and she'll do whatever he asks her to do. And he asks her, he, he said, I will give you this diamond
0: if you will steal Hoffman's reflection, reflection. his shadow. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Get his reflection for me. And she says, Okay. And then proceeds to seduce Hoffman and in a really passionate, wonderful uh, duet, gets him to uh, indeed, you know, she says, you won't miss it. It's just a reflection. It's nothing. You'll never miss it. And he gives it to her and then discovers to his horror that he has indeed lost his reflection, which is metaphorically his soul. His soul, right. Yeah. Mm Yeah. And uh, she rides off in the uh, in her gondola on the canals of Venice, laughing at him all the way. And uh, boy, Hoffman has been beaten down once again. So then we're transported back to the tavern
0: in Nuremberg, where we started. Yes, exactly. So we're going from prologue, the epilogue, we're back where we
1: started. Right, where we left them. And the opera is ending. Hoffman is passed out <laughs> in his cups, as it were. And uh, it, it depends upon the staging. In some, st- in some stagings, Stella actually comes in looking for him, sees him passed out, and uh, Counselor Lindorf, who is the evil genius character in the epilogue and prologue, steps up, takes her arm, and escorts her out. Not before Nicholas has revealed himself. Well, Nikolaus then reveals himself. That's when Nikolaus reveals himself to be Hoffman's muse. And Nikolaus says, sings this amazing piece where he, or she being the muse, she says, not to worry. I am your great love. The great love of your life is your art. It's poetry. Poetry. And I am with you. I will always be with you. And take heart in that. And then you get all of the characters from all the three acts coming back and they all sing this amazing chorus to end the piece. It's just, your heart is in your throat. It's a wonderful piece.
0: Perhaps the best known music from the Tales of Hoffman comes at the uh, opening of the third act. We're in Venice and they sing the Barcarolle.
1: Yes, the famous Barcarolle. That's Julietta and Niklaus sing that actually as a duet. What we should say about the tales of Hoffman is
0: that Offenbach actually died before it was completed. Yeah. And he was, had
1: completed, I think, the the initial piano score and had started to orchestrate some of it. And it was his magnum opus. He so wanted... He He, he was known for his operettas, you know, which were very frivolous and, and and wonderfully so, um, but they were considered light entertainment. And this was to be the piece that was going to really... Jewel in the crown. Yeah, put him on the map as a serious composer and he didn't even live to hear its completion, sadly.
0: Finally, Eric, what is the place of the Tales of Hoffman within the
1: operatic repertoire? It's absolutely standard repertoire. It's firmly... Fixed in the standard repertoire for for any major opera house, and and lots of regional companies can do it too. It's it's a little more difficult to produce, I think, than a lot of um, operas, just because it's got so many different locales and different set changes, and and the title role is very difficult for the tenor. Uh, he is on stage all the time, and he is singing all the time, and he's got high notes all over the place. And as a tenor, you really have to husband your resources to get through this without running out of gas. Uh, but no, it is, it's its so melodic, so tuneful, that it's, I think it's its here to stay for, for sure. It's, it's standard rep all the way. Well, that's this
0: week's Opera Cheat Sheet. I'm Sinjin Flynn.
1: And I'm Eric Skelly.
0: Thank you for listening.